This is Fam Electric Ghost, and we are live on our Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook channels with Higgs Field. <laughs> you guys are in uh, from Australia, right? Yeah, man. What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, it's going pretty good. So you're in an area called Mount Mount Gambler, South Australia. Yeah, Mount Gambier. She's a, it's a big volcano. So a lot of people call us volcano walkers, which is pretty cool. What? Um, yeah. So we're excited to have you on on the air. We have, uh, we do, you know, this podcast, we've interviewed people since 2018, um, previously just on uh, audio in, in 2021, uh, we started doing video and we are also on Spotify after this. So your fans will be able to see us on Spotify video podcast, not just audio, but just to get it out of the way, we do have a couple of sponsors. One of them is uh, Newsly, which is an iOS app that reads the news back to you in a natural way. So you can stop scrolling and start listening. Use Ghost 2021 to get one month free premium subscription. Again, that's uh, Ghost 2021. You can get one month free. And then the other sponsor we have is this uh, company out of Germany, right out of Europe. And they are called Double Jack Online. And what's cool about them is if you are a band and you need crowdfunding, they have crowdfunding capability. They can pay you in Bitcoin and multiple currencies around the world. Um, they can create a scan code for you and they can actually create um, a, a custom URL and posters that they can put on your uh, stages when you play and stuff or online. And you can help uh, fund like your, your album or tour or anything like that. So that's kind of cool. Uh, so you can check that out. And uh, they also are an online philanthropic lottery. So you can play, um, you know, you know, I think they have Kino, they have the European lottery, and they have Powerball. So just uh, check that out with your cell phone, scan that, and you can uh, get in there. And you can actually become an influencer and get uh, passive income. So as a band, if you won't need to get passive income from from doing something, you can join them and you can get, get to be an influencer and get a whole thing we have a guy uh frank their marketing director can get in touch with anybody that's interested in that but um yeah now we're gonna actually get to the meat of the interview which we'd like to do kind of behind the music um interviews that are uh you know just uh, a more in depth than a 15 minute podcast we can go up to an hour so that's what we're going to do and we do have a video from you guys so people can check out what you sound like and so if that's cool before we get into the meat of the interview, I want to actually interview where introduce Higgsfield in your sound with your video, the Mason. Is that cool? Of course it is, mate. Let it play, brother. Yes, here we go. Mathematical equation, prediction of devastation. The beaten heads of a sorry mason, the beaten heads of all creation. Sculptures of the gods who came before. Mason stands changing. 
so that was the Mason, and we're back. Hey guys. Hey guys. Hey, guys. Uh, What's going on? Hey, it's Higgsfield, and we've we've got him on the line. We just uh we just played their video. It's a kind of like it's a, and that was a really interesting because I'm a big fan of um kind of like grunge and Stone Temple Pilots and Alex and Chains. It just sounds kind of like kind of in that spirit. Not that you're, I just feel that kind of when I hear it. That's just my opinion, but. Yeah. Nice heads, man. That's good. I'm a, uh, I'm a massive grunge head, so that, that, that means a lot, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah is it that sound? Um, I, I did love like um, that era because, you know, I'm a child of the 70s. And then when we got a lot of hair bands, like, you know, the Motley Crues and the Rats and the Poisons, you know, when, when Kurt came on the scene, then you had Stone Temple Pilots and Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, all those bands. It just felt like, okay, now we've got a rock renaissance. Like, you like finally got that kind of attitude that was like more honest. You know, that's why I liked uh, about it. Uh, I mean, we can't talk about that without saying RIP to Mark Lanigan. I mean, uh, what an absolute poet, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Screaming yeah. trees. The screaming trees. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that kind of yeah. vibe. Is like, you just feel that the honesty of the music and there's the passion. And then what I liked about grunge is like you, you could have Beatle chords. You could kind of go in any direction, even though it's kind of like a punk, post-punk alternative thing. You could go in different directions, you know. 100%. Yeah. A band like the Smash and Pumpkins, which kind of went more progressive rock. Uh, but, you know, Soundgarden could do like a Zeppelin. Like it's like a punk, like a grunge Zeppelin, and that, that's why I like about it. Because you can have the, the, you can have the chord changes, you have the tempo changes, you have more progressive rock ideas, you know, kind of intermixed with like power, power pop, power punk. Um, and, and it's it's awesome, but it's also important, like you know, being able to implement different genres into music's yeah. always been an important thing for us. And something that grunge did back in the day was, you know, they had elements of heavy metal. They had elements of psychedelic uh, pop from the 60s. You know, that they had elements of everything. And that that era of music, you know, that, that became extremely experimental. You know, bands like Primus, Helmet, um, yeah. you know, uh, Tool, Tool. Yeah, Tool. Tool, all that sort of yeah. stuff, which Tool are a massive influence on us. Yeah, um, definitely. But, like... You know that those sorts of bands, when they when they went down those progressive routes, they they just created their own feel, their own sort of music. And look, I, I don't like saying, "Oh, that can't be replicated again," but that era can't be replicated again. Where you've no. got, you know, some of the most popular bands in pop culture are these bands that are just writing some magnificent magnificent music and creating creating something new out of something that's mixed in with everything old. Yeah, because I mean, I'm being a keyboardist. I tend to be like kind of coming from like a couple of places. Like I'll come from like a like a jazz band like Sun Ra, and then get into like a Parliament Funkadelic kind of Bernie Worrell, um, and then like I just love Pink Floyd, right? So and then like you know, yes, it's like obligatory if you're going to be a synthesis, you know, looking at a band like Genesis or Yes. Yeah. And like yep. the Peter Gabriel Genesis, like you know, the Lamb lies on down on Broadway kind of Genesis, that's so progressive, so like science fiction oriented. Um, that that's just kind of like where my head was at. Is like because I just saw these bands. It's like, yeah, what's wrong with a fifteen minute song? Yeah, <laughs> twenty minute song with all these like tempo changes and you know uh, different types of uh you know structures more classical and mixing rock and and everything you know and, and, and the beautiful thing about that experimentation is look what it did for artists like Stephen wilson so he's in uh, porcupine tree and you know you, you might have a song that goes for uh, you know four minutes or whatever but then the next song goes for 17 and a half minutes and it's it's unbelievable you can't turn it off like you know it's just it's yeah. experimenting <clears throat> with different sounds bit of jazz bit of this or the other it's cool Cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I just love that. So, I mean, you guys are in, in the kind of alternative rock, but that leaves you a lot of room, like you said, because uh, yeah. you, you you did um, you indicate like who your inspirations are. But I'm going to go and start with the question. So, when did you guys first get into music? Who wants to start? Like, what age did you get into the idea like you wanted to play music? Well, I'll start, I suppose, because I got the microphone. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, I started probably 
I was really, really young. I was probably about eight when I wanted to start playing the guitar. And um, I, I, I didn't do anything about it until I was 12. And, you know, when I was 12, I was, you know, Metallica are one of the most important gateway bands, I think, of all time. Um, yeah. You know, that got me onto, that got me into metal and got me into then the other stuff that, you know, I, I ended up falling in love with, which is, like you said, that grunge era sort of stuff. Um, so I started then. I wrote my first song when I was 12. You know, basically picked up the guitar and started recording straight away. It was like shit. It was awful, but it was. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> like you know, the uh, the amount of music that I've made over the years that that's shit is incredible. And then uh, I think this is the first project uh, that I've been on, first band I've been in, where where I've, I'm actually really really proud of the uh, of the music and like not not ashamed of any of it. And I think that's more of a collaborative effort. With all of us, we all have songwriting credits and that's because we all get in the jam room. We all, you know, someone might come up with a riff or a drum beat or something mm -hmm. like this or the other and then it's like, right, hey, let's get, let's try this out, let's try this out. And, you know, it's just for fun but then, you know, it turns into a pretty well-written song pretty quickly, mm. really. Yeah, definitely. So and then, uh, yeah, pass the mic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I reckon I first got into music when I was about uh, 12, I reckon. Um, mm -hmm. Played on my first drum kit uh, like at a mate's place that we go water skiing with. And um, he just taught me like a couple of basic beats and that and just sort of I picked it up half quickly. And then, um, yeah, well, um, he wasn't using his kit for a while and he was kind enough to uh, let me um, borrow it and set it up in mum and dad's lounge room, which uh, – like piss them the hell off so no nah, but it was worth it um yeah nah um so yeah i just sort of started practicing more and then um really just like um started listening to a lot of like metal and rock bands that were like up and coming or popular at the time a lot of like say parkway drive amity affliction sort of like mid-ranges when they were coming out and just yeah I really got into them and then started just learning covers off youtube and that and then um yeah just a few people asking around um you know for drummers and that in the mount and got into my first couple of bands and that when i was about 13 or 14 and then yeah i've been in a few bands since and then uh yeah me um liam and kyle were uh nice enough to um hit me up and uh yeah and i've been in higgsfield since well it was 2018 was it yeah, or like 19 yeah and uh yeah here we are so though it's, it's interesting I always wondered like what what kind of drove you to kind of be a drummer is it, were you when you listened to music were you drawn to the drums or you felt like you that that's the instrument you wanted oh well just because like oh well, i mean i guess like drum and bass is such like um i mean it's the backing for like all music it really doesn't matter what genre um mm -hmm. and just like i don't know i'd never really like seen a drum kit properly like up close until i went to my dad's mate's place there and i just thought oh yeah this is pretty cool like you know everyone sort of has an acoustic guitar laying around and that and it's sort of more common to see but like a full full-fledged yeah. drum kit yeah. setup was yeah. just like really obviously like really fate. drawing really. it's like fate you, you 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 kind of faded to have that moment yeah. and then say hey there it is then you have yeah action. yeah yeah and exactly like, i just thought yeah this this is pretty cool and uh, i think yeah what happens. i fell in love with it really I think it happens with like keyboard players and stuff. Like if there's a piano around or an organ around, or you go play in church yeah. or something, then you learn how to play the organ and then you play the keyboard and then you can't go to a synth. This because you had access yeah. to, it. you know, it's kind of like that, but mm. it's, it's not as common yeah, as everybody jumping on a guitar. <laughs> yeah. No, a hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. It's just a lot more drawing more. Yeah. Um, yeah so, more. Yeah. You put your focus a little more. So maybe ask. Uh, I, I, oh, I, cool. didn't, I didn't ask you guys about like Higgs Field. How did you guys come up with the band name? What does that actually represent? Because maybe people here and outside of Australia don't know what what it represents. Oh, I'll, I'll give the vibe back to Liam. It's time for science talk. So, <laughs> so I uh, I might I look like a dumbass, but I am a massive science nut. I love the stuff. So the Higgs Field is based on the Higgs boson. So uh, Professor Higgs, many many years ago. Mm -hmm. He had this theory about the, the formation of matter. Um, so if you imagine a fish in water, 
you're always the fish is always surrounded by water but because it's always in that environment it doesn't recognize that it's water it doesn't know that it just mm-hmm. this is what it is so similar to us we have a imaginary field that surrounds everything and is the foundation of matter is the uh the thing that holds everything together it stops when i move my arm it stops all the matter from dissipating into nothingness and then it uh brings it you know keeps a straight form um which is which is pretty cool so it's like the legitimate thing that connects everything to everything and that it expands out through the universe um and i love that and we i'll put that in a hat yeah. <laughs> and i think the other band name we we're going to have was ever ice <clears throat> that yeah, was uh carl right. bleeds carl bleed our bass player he's a beautiful man he uh he had that yeah. idea he's had that for a long time and yeah. I, I sort of i was like i've had this for a long time too man and it was <laughs> like right well we'll put it in a hat and see what we draw and we drew that and it was yeah. like yes that's cool. That, yeah, that's really cool. I was wondering if it was that or, or if it was happened to be something else that I just didn't understand. But yeah, that's that's really cool. Uh, that that's a, that's an awesome story for a band name. Thanks. Um, so, <laughs> but um, so I always get into a couple other questions. Like, so you've been working on music for for like since you guys found um, you know that you were able to get into it. Um, mm. How long how have you, you like since you were like twelve years old then? Like you you guys have been doing it. Well, yeah, I'm twenty seven now. So what's that about fifteen years or something? Mm-hmm. Um so long time, long time. But it's uh you know, you know, it's funny, man. I, I went back and listened through some of the first stuff that I recorded and I had a <laughs> I had a bit of a night on the beers and was like, right, like what 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 kind of music have I made over the years? So I've made everything from uh, electronica sort of stuff, um, similar to like uh, the soundtrack to Stranger Things. Oh, okay. And then uh, I've moved on to, you know, like uh, Grindcore. And I made them two albums at the exact same time. So in a space of about four weeks. So horribly mixed. They sound like shit. But the (laughs) idea was was just, just just to create just to make just to create and that's something that i've done since i was a kid you know like even mm-hmm. drawing and things like that was just i'll start out with a piece of paper put some dots or a line down there and just try and make something out of it and i think that's always been part of the shit that i do as dumb as it can be sometimes <laughs> well i think it's interesting what i find from my people who are creators right that are singer songwriters you know bands that write their own music is that you know it, it's not necessarily that they're all trying to be like in the top 10 it's that that they, nah. have, they have something inside themselves that they they have their heroes and the people that that, that inspired them and they're like yeah. okay i can do it it's like when the clash came on the scene right and then sex pistols the people said well i can do that right because before yeah. that yeah. If you look at a band like yes it's like well, i can't do that right i look yeah. at a band like zeppelin i can't be jimmy page I can't be John yeah. Bottom. There's no way I'm going to ever get to that. But then when you had guys like, you know, Lou Reed and the Velvets, and you had, you know, like Johnny Rodden, and you got, you know, Joe Strummer and, uh, in, in the Clash, he's like, oh, you know, and you go to CBGBs and you see the, the Ramones, and like, oh, I could actually do that. Right. Yeah. So then, like, then you get people saying, well, I'm going to try it because, like, what's wrong yeah. with me just trying to express myself, you know? I mean, so, yeah, something that inspiration. Yeah, hundred percent. Like so, something Jack White said a uh, long time ago. I was I was a real. I was I was probably fourteen, fifteen, and I was just on YouTube and watching just Jack White videos because I love the dude. And uh, a video came up where the dude's talking about like you know the the happiness of a mistake and how sometimes a, a mistake can just be perfection you know like that that's showing how raw you're being that's showing your emotion that, that that is showing absolutely everything every time you play a live show and that live show goes a bit wrong that's okay because mistakes happen and mistakes are good and that's a unique performance for them that just that just uh, probably lit my confidence up a little bit too much so it went from yeah. <laughs> uh, i'll never be able to play that perfectly to fuck it it doesn't matter if i don't play it perfectly you're welcome you know, and I mean, it's probably a bad attitude, really, but it's just like, eh, perfection's not good, and and it well, never yeah, has been. I mean, and 
I'm a big, yeah, I'm a big believer in that because if you think about like the Stones, right, and you think about a lot of classic albums from the '70s, it's full of happy accidents, right? Frank Zappa Frank Zappa he's like one of the most musically talented people on the planet and and you listen back to like um some of his older albums and stuff like from the from the start of the 70s you know late 60s and stuff like it's full of mistakes yeah even if you think about like an album like Todd Rundgren and Hello It's Me right if you listen to it real close you can hear the cuts in the mix in the final production there's like cuts where they're they're mistakes they're actually, is that the love like, song? Yeah, that love song, Hello, yeah, it's yeah. Me. Right, but, yeah, but yeah. It's like a, a typical 70s thing, if you go listen to the album real close on your headphones, a lot of the albums are not perfect. And actually, yeah. the imperfections are what makes them great. You know, And then the problem I, I try to tell producers today, like they're stuck in the DAW and trying to get a you know perfect 160 BPM and they're trying to make sure everything's in tone, using the auto-tune, doing all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, I like think of a band like Who's Could Do or Black Flag. Did they care yeah. about that? No, they didn't. You know, it's like didn't give a fuck. Just they didn't do give it. a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't obsess about doing something a thousand times. It's like on the third take, if it's cool and it had the heart, keep the third yeah. take. Yep, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, man. Like, like we're, we're both big, big fans of Bring Me the Horizon. You know, yeah. especially their older stuff. Like their older stuff was just heavy. Um, you know, and and something that they've done with a lot of their new stuff is chuck a lot of auto tune on, which sounds great on the album, but it sounds yeah. very produced to me anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and and uh, you know, they're kind of lucky they've got Ollie Sykes as the vocalist because he can pull he can pull off anything, which is really really lucky. But most other bands they wouldn't be able to do it. And and yeah, when I do hear, yeah, yeah, especially not in a live sense. And like when I hear bands that are, you know, chucking in auto tune, not not saying they're trying to copy Ollie Sykes and stuff like yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. they they do, you know, some a lot of lot of if you're in the genre, you you t- you tend to do what the uh, what the giants okay. do, if that so to yeah. speak. Yeah, and, and it sounds horrible. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just a, I get I always get kind of cringe when I go see a band and it's like exactly like the studio version. Because they're running yeah, their, yeah. Their, their their backing tracks and they're locked into their backing tracks, and I'm like, yep. like I'm I'm a guy that would go see the Almonds, right? I would go see Funkadelic, and see Bootsy Collins, and those guys would be doing like 20 minute songs, and it wasn't anywhere near yeah. what was on the record, right? They just yeah, totally yeah. went in a different direction, and I actually that's why I went to see them, because yep. like like dead, like going to see the Grateful Dead, like I'm a deadhead, I would go see the Dead, and because they would just like just jam. And it, that, yep. that, that's what yeah, it is. Exactly. You know, yeah, I mean, that, otherwise you might as well just listen to the record. Like, yeah, it's like, why you know, am I going go to see the almonds just replicate exactly what's on record? Because, you know, Dickie Betts and those guys, they would just go off. And mm. maybe would, it would, they'd come back and bring it in. But if they just wanted to go off in a different direction, they'd just do it. You know? Yep. And, and that's kind of like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> and, and it's and it's feeling out and connecting with the crowd, you know. Like you know, we, we talk a lot of shit mid set, uh, you know. Like we, we we like to have a bit of fun, have you know, a bit of a talk, you know. Ask ask the dumb questions on the microphone you probably shouldn't ask and things like that. But it's 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 fun and it's it's uh, you know you're we're just people and, and they're just people and it's like we know yeah. you know we're we know we're we're just as important as the president of the united states and we're just as important as the crackhead that lives on the road you know what i mean like like, like yeah. everyone's on the same level and everyone should treat each other like that i think yeah well i just think it's just uh, you know to me it's like i love uh, kind of a stream of consciousness style recording i i tend to do like a jam band style i I actually will do live recording sessions to kind of drive like if you're good i think what happens like if you're a producer and and you're stuck on your daw then you kind of get lost in the daw but if you go and you force yourself to go live and do a rehearsal then you're not going to keep on start stopping and start you're going to just let it go and i find like I, I used to read about Zappa and yeah. Zappa was like, Hey, I'm just going to do it. Right. You know, even like Neil Young and crazy horse, they would just put down and then go back to the tapes and say, here's the song, but you know, yep. jam for like two hours and then say, Oh, there's some songs in here and let's work on those after. 
you know, but yeah, what's bro. wrong with trying to do yeah, that to be obsessive about mm-hmm. trying to, not that it's bad if you've got an idea and you start building it track by track, but I, I just think that kind of a stream of consciousness, even like a Dylan on his typewriter, Bob Dylan would just mm-hmm. go on his typewriter and just start like, whatever, I'm just going to do it. And, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, that's I mean, that, whatever feels natural. Yeah, that's so right. Just sometimes just jamming with it is just so much easier than really trying to like perfect that one thing. Mm. But like that's something that's something we do a lot, man. Like we 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 don't go sit down and record a, 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 in a studio and start recording. We 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 get in the jam room and we we fuck around with a song for you know sometimes months. Uh, sometimes yeah. like you know, oh, here's something that we were starting to play a year ago. Yeah, we've developed exactly. it into this now. Like, what do we reckon? Oh yeah, we'll still muck around with it, see where it goes. Yeah, super important. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, so then I, I, I kind of wanted to get into some of your influence and reference points because I, I know it's in your bio, but um, like who who really inspired you um, as as like uh, young musicians to, to kind of, you know, not that you want to emulate them exactly, but like who who are the bands that really got people can point you could point out as influences or reference points. So I'll start this. We're we're, we're all very really different. And and that is probably what makes our music a bit different. It's not it's not made for everyone, and it shouldn't be. It's made for us, mm-hmm. and, and you know the, the crowds that we play for, and you know they are the ones that become fans, and they, those are you know generally the same sort of people. So for me, I grew up listening to Iron Maiden, uh, Grinspoon, Silverchair, you know a lot of the you know some, some metal. And mixed in with some 90s grunge and rock and things like that, especially from here in Australia. Um, we had some great artists and we got a, a, a radio station called Triple J. And uh, growing up, that's that's all all we, we listened to. Well, for me anyway, that's all yeah. I listened to. So I was introduced to a lot from that. When I was about maybe 12 or 13, I got introduced to System of a Down. Oh, yeah. Blew my mind. It absolutely blew my mind. So I've always wanted to be in a weird band after that because, you know, you, you can go back and listen to Iron Maiden and all that sort of stuff, but you wouldn't say that they're weird. I would say System of a Down are brilliant. They sound great, but they're also pretty weird. And that, that ever since I was that age, that's the sort of music that I've chased. It's kind of weird music that sounds really good, like really well written, really well produced. Um, and I think that's kind of what led me to um, to the point in this band. And then you know, for Frosty, I'll hand you the hand you the mic. Yeah, no worries. No, so um, yeah, like I said, I just sort of um started getting into whatever was um popular at the time <laughs> um yeah i just sort of got getting into like um a lot of uh aussie metalcore to sort of um deathcore sort of stuff to start with like parkway um amity affliction uh, a lot of a lot of that sound i prevail was sort of coming out then like bear tooth um and then a lot of bring me the horizon of course at the time and then i don't know i sort of like jammed that for a while and then I was like, I guess moved on to the next thing and like started going back and listening to like the older bands um, mm-hmm. with a lot of like more technical timing and um, beats and that, like Lamb's Head with System and then like listening to Tool as well, yeah, like Tool, coming up yeah. with that alternative progressive sound and like a, a lot of the, the drums in um, prog metal songs like that are just, um, yeah, they're quite like out of the ordinary like offbeat sort of stuff and it's just like oh yeah like it's a completely different avenue to go down and then you know i mean you can appreciate different drums from like every genre really like they all have their strong points that's for sure um yeah but yeah mainly i just can't get past metal though i'm just a massive metal head so yeah that's interesting because i kind of grew up like i'm a child of the 70s right so like my my favorite drummers were like mitch mitchell john bonham and Keith mm, Moon, yeah, it's great. Right? And I, I, Keith Moon always used to do it for me because I felt like the Who was like the first punk band. And if you think mm, about yeah, Moon, Moon, Moon's mm. attitude was like he was just soloing through the whole song. 
if you ever like watch Keith Moon, he just solos like through the whole song. He doesn't actually keep time like Ringo or even like Bonham. He, you know, actually like Antwistle and and he's actually soloing too. It's actually Pete that's keeping the time with the with yeah. his chords. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, well, that's kind of punky because it's like they're kind of the weird thing about the Who they they were kind of exploding and falling apart but staying together. Yeah, definitely. And and like early yeah. who you can hear it on like you know the my generation and sell out and stuff like that. The early records are very punky, you know. It's like it's like the clash before the clash. <laughs> Man, like Ringo Starr is a drummer. Let's just talk about that for a second because how fucking amazing is he? And how right? Everyone always talks about George Harrison and Paul McCartney and John Lennon and all that sort of stuff. He is my favorite Beatle because he he's, he's his drumming technique is incredible. You know, left-leading hand, the way he plays, the way he looks when he plays, you know, the dumb haircut that's just gone. I love it. Like but he has, yeah, but he exactly. Like Ringo used stick. to incorporate a lot of, like, Motown kind of stacked drumming. <laughs> yeah. he, he was able to do a lot of interesting kind of Motown-like drumming and introduce it into the kind of pop, like the, the power pop that the Beatles were doing, and that he could keep the time but he had all yeah. kinds of interesting things going on, like a Motown drummer. Like if you get the Purdy Shuffle, you get into like a lot of the technical capabilities of the Motown drummers, that Ringo would seem to be listening to them and he incorporating a lot of that mm. stuff into the Beatles sound like. And uh, when you start looking at it, you're like, wow, he's actually, because everybody will talk about Moon and Bonham because they were like power drummers. But, you know, Ringo is a finesse yeah, yeah. and he's making these pop hits that were like so big. Because of that, his timing mm. is like making those yep. songs. Yeah, work. yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. It's good to like have influence come from everywhere. I think that's why like we work so well as a band because, um, you know, we're all influenced from somewhere different and just opens up different avenues for everyone else, like just introduces them to something new mm. and then all gels as like as one, really. But you guys, it's interesting to me to talk about bringing everyone together. <laughs> you were talking before about your band writing process, and I find that's really interesting when you have a band, right? Because sometimes in a band you have like that alpha, like like a Pete Townsend that writes everything, right? Oh no, I don't write everything. I am the alpha, though. I am the alpha. I will fight anybody. You're like Pete. You're like Pete. <laughs> you're kind of writing everything you've directed everything <laughs> <laughs> oh no i don't write any of it i'll just fight i'll, I'll if i'll beat them all in a fight i'm sure of it what's cool is like you said you guys are like you everybody comes in and has their piece to the like like is that what you your process is you, you jam and everybody kind of brings their their feel to it to a song yeah, definitely. You just like build off one another, really. <clears throat> like, say, if Dylan comes with a riff or Liam comes with a riff or anything, or even if I come with a beat, or like there's been, yeah, songs where like Kyle's sort of done the introduction, I guess you could say, and we all just build off one another, really. Yeah, you kind of vibe off mm. each other. That's why I yeah. like, about, like the old school recording uh, with like a full, like traditional rock band is like, you know, in this world now that everybody's in their DAW. You know, you have somebody in London and somebody in Paris and somebody here, and nobody's ever in the same room. And yep. you have like five different producers, and they're all like adding all this stuff, but nobody was in the same room, right? And yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I'm kind and, of and, I like the day like when when like the Stones were all in the same house. Well, maybe some Keith was in the basement, but hundred <laughs> percent. But, but, um, <laughs> It's just but, so much uh, more raw that way, natural. Yeah, yeah it's, it's way natural. more raw and natural. But like the other thing is too, like we're all we're all real close mates. You know, you know, like like this is the. I, I think what people are hearing, yeah, it's weird music. It's cool music. We're not a massive band, you know. We 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 love playing live shows, but we don't we don't play the biggest stages in the world or anything like that. We we we're very bit of an underground gem i think we would call it. but i think what people love is the chemistry that we've all got and and that all comes from you know instead of what we you know when i say footy over here we've got afl which is australian rules footy uh, football and mm -hmm. and you know instead of going to footy practice every wednesday night we we have band practice every wednesday night so we have a couple of beers together have a big laugh 
write some really cool stuff. And and the best thing is, is like, you know, our singer, Dylan, he not only can he sing like a motherfucker, that dude can play guitar like a motherfucker. Like, like the dude is just, he's a bit of a, I don't know. He, he, he's he's just onto it. He is always onto it. And then same as oh, I'm going to talk you up here, mate. Don't no, get, let your head get too massive; no, it'll fall not, off. I'll, I'll but fit off. <laughs> my fit on the screen. Yeah, <laughs> fit on the screen. But like you know, like, Frosty is one of the best drummers I've I've seen live, uh, and that and that comes from and that's a big statement to make because I've seen a lot of great ones. But what I tend to see um, is a lot of very static drummers. They're playing the beats. They're they're they're, they're doing some incredible shit. But, you know, you can see Frosty's, you know, getting into it. And and, and that was the first time I seen him play before he was in uh, Higgsfield with us. I was like, fuck, yeah, that dude's sick. I don't need, didn't even know the dude's name. I was like, yeah, that dude's sick. I like it. And, you know, when I found out that he was available, I was like, ah, yoink, grab him. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and then, you know, like uh, Kyle, Kyle's been in uh, lots of other bands as well in the past. I'm probably the odd duck out because all the bands that I had in the past was just basically just me, um, which is not good. But, uh, you know, like his, his style of bass playing, I love that. I love that. And this is kind of just like it's a, not only is it a magical thing to be able to get us all together and be able to write some music that, that we think are pretty good. Yeah. But you know, other people yeah, might not, but other people do, mm. which is nice. You know, nine out of ten on heavy magnet, not bad. Yeah. But like, you know, being able to do that and then also be great mates. You know, yeah, who, I think you know having who, the chemistry as a band—that's the whole idea of a band, right? You know, hundred percent. There's so many. Definitely see that in the live shows too. Yeah, you definitely see that in the live shows. It's bloody funny. We have a lot of fun, man. That's good. Because you know, in the the the, the genres that are kind of controlling like the the industry today don't have band dynamics. They're usually like one or two people in a producer mm. and um, yeah. people have forgotten, you know, what makes, you know, a band like the stones or, or the yep. clash, you know, that dynamic of having. It's like, all corporations know, now. Yeah, it's all yeah. corporations running it. Yeah. It's That's all the problem. Like, yeah. It's even like when you had the, even in the eighties, when you had like these kind of corporate bands that were created too, um, yeah. even the late seventies, you got a bunch of corporate bands. Um, but it's like they, they don't even, you know, now they don't even play. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, where are they now? Sort of thing. Yeah, you, used to, you used to have a yeah. bunch of studio musicians, you know, that would come together and, uh, okay, from, you know, create these kind of super groups that are backed by the big label. But, but at least they were players. And now there's like just a bunch of producers um, or people who aren't mm -hmm. really, um, or, they're, or they're, they're other type of artists. You know, there might be a lyricist. And, and somebody that they can do really interesting uh, vocal delivery, but nobody's coming on the stage like, like you know, like Hendrix. <laughs> nobody's coming on like, mm. like, the, like Jim Morrison, you know, like where's the next Jim Morrison? Where's the next Hendrix? Where's the next Kurt Cobain? <laughs> I don't know if there's enough acid left after them dudes smashed it all. Probably not. No. But that's why I like talking to bands like yourself that are still believe in that kind of, you know, that dynamic that you should, you know, have a band that has that kind of classic structure of your bass and drums and vocalist. And mm. because there's something that comes out of that kind of organic nature, you know, to me of, of, a, of a group that's actually putting it down. And it's not, it's the happy accidents and it's not going to be run into an 808. Or a nine oh nine, or a seven point yeah, yeah, drum, drum machine. Yeah. You actually got a real drummer. You got that dynamic thing that on stage you guys can just go wherever you want to go, and, and you're not locked in. That's right. Yep. Yeah. That's now, thing is too, like you play, you play with each other long enough where you can read each other. You know, quite often, uh, I'll, I'll throw a cheeky little grin and a bit of a wink at, at yeah. uh, Frosty, and, and it's like I know what's about to happen on the kit, regardless. You know, you know what yeah. I mean. I'm about yeah. to do some weird shit or something bit different, bit yeah. off, yeah. and it's just like, oh, catch it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So are you guys able to play shows now? Um, where in Australia can you actually play live gigs? So, so we've been pretty lucky and and a little bit unfortunate, miss, yeah, unfortunate as well. So, like, uh, yeah, we, we've been able to play some really good shows, um, you know, between here and Adelaide, pretty well, which is the capital city of South Australia, which is where we're from. Um, uh, but with the with the way COVID's been, I mean, 
it's been I'm, I'm going to be real critical here our government's been very communist-like in that they have locked out certain states they have not allowed uh, lots of things to happen and they've failed so like we've had a lot of COVID running rampant in south australia at the moment um and the only reason why they've eased any restrictions at all has been because they um i, I I guess it's coming up to an election and they want to win. They, you know, they've kept a lot of control and they've stopped a lot of things. You know, we've had to play seated shows, um, you know, and we've we've managed to play a lot of stand-up shows and stuff like that, which has been great. But it's the it's just the way it is at the moment. So once everything ticks off, like we can't wait to just, yeah. I mean, going on holiday with the boys. At the end of the day, yeah. going on holiday with the boys, traveling to different cities, doing this, that, the other, and playing some live shows again. That'd be great. It'd be great. Yeah, we do have some coming up, but that's cool. You know. that's your, at least it's good that you're, you're out there because, like, like in our in our neck of the woods, you know, I used to be able to go to Boston and New York, and I'm a northeastern guy, and you know, most of the place I go is like you know Boston or New York, and I'm from like New Hampshire, and New Hampshire, all we got is people trying to be like Neil Young. Not that it's bad, yeah, but yeah. I'm doing like, you know, electronic kind of Trent Reznor stuff and, and the people here don't want to hear that. So if I want to play, I got to go, I got to go to New York or Boston. Um, Speaking but, of Neil Young, what the fuck's he done with the Spotify thing? Now, now Neil Young to <laughs> me was, you know, flower child who, you know, a bit of a punk rocker, bit of a bit of a folk rocker as well, but, but was very much about free speech. And then he's just turned around and gone, nah. Yeah, Change my mind. Well, you know, when you get seventy, you do different things. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. I'm 27, and I'm doing different things from when I was 20. So that <laughs> that's probably a yeah, good thing. You, actually, you get that kind of grumpy old band thing going on. You know. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, so you kind of go where where that takes you. And like, I've seen my 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 grandparents, and like, they, they'll, they'll like, why are you saying that, Grandpa? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like okay like leave grandpa alone just walk away that's it that's it <laughs> but, leave uh, him in the chair yeah he, he don't understand he said turn it down anyway so it's like okay grandpa, yeah. just stay away from me <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so uh yeah it's interesting um that you guys been able to play because we, we've been doing a lot of online <clears throat> because that's kind of where i live in this podcast world and we've been doing like online concerts with our podcast guests. We just did one a couple of weeks ago where we had like 19 different podcast guests do this uh, peg festival that we do like a second one we've ever done. And we're going to probably do it like four times a year. That's so cool. we, we have bands all over the world that we've interviewed actually do like a live set from their studio or their bedroom or the garage or whatever. And they just play for like 30 minutes and we give, yep. give them a chance to get heard. On and you know like a three day online thing, so we've been pushing that because it gives you know people a place to figure out how to actually even try to navigate playing on the net, but um, which is a whole different thing. <laughs> but uh, oh, of course, the other thing I wondered like, do you guys like ever like uh, do features with other bands or or or, or play with other bands or or work um, produced in other rec uh, other acts, or are you just focused on yourselves? definitely play with other bands but um haven't done a feature yet no i i think we spend a lot of time together right now stuff so we, we we're pretty close with uh quite a few bands uh from around our region actually but like uh so as far as we, we quite often try and do some gigs with the same people like a band called paste uh, Ch uh chelsea manor Stiff Nips, uh, Rat Salad, they're from Western Australia. They're a little bit away. We just did a couple of couple of gigs with them back in October, and that, that yeah, was a uh, bit of a bit of a wild night. But it, you know, great, great time. So, like, as far as that is concerned, if if one of our friends came up and said to us, like, "Hey, Frosty, we want you to play the drums for a cover song that we're doing tonight," you know, mm -hmm. like he's done that before. If they came up to me and said, "Liam, we want to." The pay show, and you know, like if if someone came, if a friend of ours came up to me and said, "Hey, look, you know, I want you to play this riff on, you know, we're recording it. We want you to do that." Mm -hmm. I'd I'd put my hand up and say, "Yeah, no worries," but not. I don't know if I would do it 
for someone that I don't re that I'm not friends with, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be in tune with, with the band. Like, if you're going to do a collaboration, mm. you know, unless you're like on a label that kind of forces you to do them. <laughs> um, well, and, but like, and, yeah. we're not that important either. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, like it's, it's, uh, you know, people, you know, we, we, we've gotten a few messages from people on Instagram and all that sort of stuff asking for it and all that sort of stuff. But I'm just like, look, man. Yep, there's probably someone else better that'll do that'll do put a bit more effort in. Whereas if it's for our friends, we're going to put that effort in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to kind of have a have a relationship with the people you collaborate with. It's usually like what I've done is like you know kind of a collective of musicians like in the northeast of the U.S. You know, if I play with these guys, look like yeah, I might guest on one of their records because I know them, right? So they need somebody to play a Moog or something. Okay, I'll do it because I know that band. I played with them before in Boston. I know who they are. I kind of get the feel. Like you have this scene. You're in a scene, and like if you know the guys. And the bands are like, hey, that's cool. I'll, I'll do that. But you know, mm-hmm. you kind of got to know people to feel comfortable, unless you're out yeah, there just exactly. trying to trying to get income from it. <laughs> yeah, it um, just turns into a lot more of a job. I feel. Yeah, like, it becomes like a job. Jam with your mates, it's all good. Instead of like just some, you know, someone you're unfamiliar with just saying, "Oi, play this," it almost feels like you're being hired to do a job, like rather than just yeah, yeah, uh, like with a you become like a session guy, you know, there's some people that's what they want. They want to become like a professional musician. They want to be a session guy. They want to have like an appointment book and I'm playing with this guy this week, this, whatever I'm doing. And they're, they're trying to do that. Cause that's, that's what they choose to do. But a lot of people are like, you know, I, I this is mm. my project. This is my band. If I happen to sync with somebody mm. else, I'm not really thinking about it, but if it happens in my scene, that's cool, but I'm not going to try to make it into a job, you know? Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Right. And and I mean, like the sort of music we make, we're not gonna we're not gonna make much money. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, it's no gonna cost point, us yeah. money, but like I, I tell you what, we'll have a fucking fun time yeah. playing the live shows and doing this at the other. We're gonna have a fucking blast doing that. And when we're like you know fifty, we're gonna be able to look back and it'll be like, hey, you remember that time we went and did this? And it's like, oh. <laughs> well, I think that's the whole point. Like when you when you get All into music, when pe- people get into rock, you know, originally rock and roll. You did it because, like, it's like you know, it's an attitude. Like the Grateful Dead, why did they do that? They had this like hippie attitude, and that's that's what they were gonna do. Even like a band mm-hmm. like Funkadelic, it was this big collective of all these musicians, like twenty guys on stage, and it was like you know, we just like playing. And then people yeah. started vibing to it, and they got like a deadhead kind of thing. And I was following, and it was like you know, it was just a scene. You know, Funkadelic was yeah. like a scene. You just followed it because, damn, their guy like those guys are like space funk. And it's what the hell is that? And it's like that's weird. And I'm like, I'm gonna get into that, <laughs> you know, because it's because it's different. Nobody was doing like we're from out of the <laughs> You know, it's like we're it's like acid funk rock <laughs> psychedelic stuff. And it's like what the hell? It's like I don't know. It's star chow is coming down, and you see the spaceship coming down on stage, and you're like, what the fuck is this? And it's like I don't know. It is, but it's cool as hell. It's like okay, <laughs> it's kind of like Kiss, the you old know, space back baby. Day. Yeah, it was in the back in the day when Kiss showed up in the seventies, and if you're if a child in the seventies and suddenly Kiss shows up, you're like, "What the fuck is that?" They're spitting blood oh, off. Of course, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know they're like, "What the hell is this?" It's like, "Yeah, that's and it." Now look, look what we got. We got. We got. Was it? Was it Brass Against the Machine where she she pissed yeah. on old mate's head? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, you bring that back. You bring that old school. I got, <laughs> oh, I got jealous. I was like, shit, why couldn't it be me? <laughs> well, you know, back in the day when Ozzy was biting off the heads of birds and throwing them back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's like things don't get crazy. Like, well, maybe they do because she was like doing what you just said. <laughs> um, oh, uh, going off his nut, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so I always ask this question, but you know, I don't know what you guys would be like, thinking about it, but like the, the thoughts of the future of music, because a lot of things today are playlisted. Um, you know, people are just hitting here, listening to one song and moving to the next band. What, what are your thoughts on the future of music? Cause you, your fans probably are like into the, like your whole record, right? Your whole, everything that you're doing, not just listening to one song. They come see you because you, yeah. you do a whole performance. I think 
future music. I, I reckon. Uh, as far as as far as we're concerned, I think albums are going to be out the window. I think there's going to be bands like us that are going to be like, well, fuck that, we're going to still do it anyway. But I reckon it's going. To, we're going to be looking at instead of an artist releasing one album, they're going to release twelve singles for the year, like once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing, but I think that's probably more likely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the, you know, the positive thing from COVID has been the streaming stuff. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that rather than live shows in person, which is a shame. And as you know, and as everyone else knows, that's a different vibe, totally different vibe. Like, you know, I, we haven't streamed a Higgsfield show, not on purpose, but I'm very apprehensive to do that just because I might... If you want to see us live, you should come down and feel the bass drum in your chest. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. you should you should feel that tingle in your back when Dylan sings. You should do all that. And that that that's quite positive. Um, because you can't get that on a live stream. Not unless you got wicked, wicked, wicked like Kenwoods or something like that, where you can just crank it up to eleven and just go. So I think there's that. As far as music writing. I think that's where shit's going to get really interesting. A um, long time ago, Mike Patton said, you know, there will come a time where everything is written on a computer. Every All your, your biggest hits are going to be written on a computer and all that sort of stuff. With how Auto-Tune's going, um, I, think, I think it's really possible. And, you know, we're starting to see AIs being designed uh, who make grindcore. So we're talking about an artificial intelligent machine that is creating grindcore music and pop music and all that sort of stuff, maybe that is the way we're going to go down. But I also think that there's always going to be the guy that is playing the acoustic guitar singing. There's always going to be the guy that wants to be in in a rock or a metal band or something like that. So that's always going to happen as well. Yeah, I'm a big fan. All right, what do you think? Yeah, as far as the future of music goes, then, yeah, well. Everything's becoming robotic sometimes, really. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I've been fighting against as an electronic musician. Is like a lot of times we get pinned into the thing. It's like we're all sampling, we're all doing that. But like I'm old school, like a Tony, you know, Tony Banks, you know, and you know, there's Stevie Wonder on a, on a Dream Machine. It's like I'm about the hardware sense. If you think about mm-hmm. like. Keith Emerson and even Pete Townsend, um, Barbara O'Reilly, or won't get fooled again. The kind of work, that kind of work, right? So like this kind of work that was on Pink Floyd, is is like there's a lot of electronic musicians that are starting to come back. And the one thing I've been very happy is a company like Moog was out of business, right? They came back. There's tons of like synthesists who are using these analog synths that are writing, you know, progressive rock like Genesis type stuff. If you, you know, there, there are more Pink Floyd type stuff is happening. It's not maybe reaching the top 10, but there's a lot of people who have access to these synths and um, are trying to create more progressive type work that you saw in the 70s. Yeah. So hopeful that that kind of stuff is coming back. And, and I think it, I think it is. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, we can see it. I mean, um, just trying to think. I mean, I mean, Ben's. There's 60,000 songs released to Spotify every single day. And, you know, you got to filter through the shit, but um, in amongst that shit is some gold and, you know, like great independent artists that are creating music that's pretty pretty unique, which is great. Yeah, I think that, I think what the weird thing is, is now you got these like, you know, reels and TikTok and they can come out of left field and allow somebody to kind of break through in a hyper way that maybe yep. you don't expect. And, uh, and just, you know, the sound clouds of the world where you can get like, uh, you know, put stuff out in a demo form and kind of build up a reputation and then eventually kind of get out there on the road and then you have people see you. So there's just so many different ways to kind of hit with like a mixtape or SoundCloud or something out there and just, you know, get to an audience. Even like in this form, I've been able to do this long form interview that allows mm-hmm. people to actually see a band deeper than what is even on the record, you know, actually hear yeah, them talking 100%. about their stuff. And that to me is what I'm trying to contribute is, 
is just to get as many independent emerging bands seen by the whole world and and have people like maybe you shouldn't just listen to the top 10 maybe you should go listen to to these other bands and 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 open up your mind because there's a lot of cool stuff going on you may not know about it because people aren't pushing it but i'm trying to push as much as i can (laughs) well i I mean yeah 100 (laughs) percent the uh if so (laughs) if someone said to me why should i listen to your music I always say the same shit. I always go, because we're underground as fuck, bro. You want to be a cool hipster? Listen to us, man. <laughs> hipster, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, I, I just think it's like, you know, being a radio guy, I was like a college radio guy. And I would go read Rolling Stone and Spin, and I'd find all the five-star, four-star emerging artists that they talked about. And I would yeah. just play it. And I would go and find a label like, like Sub Pop or IRS or, you know, um, SST, and I would just play everything from that label. Like, I'd find yep. an indie label, and, like, I'm going to play in my two-hour show everything from these labels, and I don't care yeah. if anybody likes it or not, and I'm just going to do it. <laughs> and then and I started getting an audience because people were like, yeah, I want it. I, that stuff is cool. Yeah, Camper Van Beethoven's mm-hmm. cool. The Replacements, the Google Who's to Do is cool. Black Flag's cool. Yeah, because that stuff, you know, it wasn't hitting super big, but then eventually bands like Who's to Do and Replacements got signed to Warner Brothers. You know, they got yep. these, these smaller bands that the radio guys like my college radio guys like me were pushing them and they got through. And and I think that that's, you know, I'm always hopeful that that kind of thing can happen again. We can get another Kurt Cobain. You can get another yep. Grunge. Yeah, movie. definitely. You know. Well, he had to come from somewhere too, really, didn't he? Like, yeah, yeah coming from sub pop. <laughs> see, see, I, see, I think that we, we, we're going to stick independent, I think. Um, I think at the end of the day, there's there's a type of freedom that comes with that where we can do whatever we want. We can represent our cheeky fuckity selves as, as however we want. And then it's kind of like it's a bit of a take us or leave us, whereas I would never want to join a label where we would owe money to a company Oh, yeah. uh, we are directed with what producers we can and can't use. I, I yeah. mean, we, we fucked up uh, the first time we went to go record the first EP because the uh, the producer we brought on board was shit, and and that's okay. That was our that was our lesson that we learned. And then this next time around, recording this new music, which we coming out this year, mm. um, you know that that's been brilliant. You know, like we've got we got the right team. We 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 got the right people that understood our sound and wanted to do it justice. And it was like, right, that's good. So we wouldn't want to work with the with the producer that's given to us. We wouldn't want to work with people that we don't trust and told what to wear. This, that, the other. I think the the labels are now. You know, that's why we have distribution companies. We don't need labels anymore. Yeah, it, yeah. It's very much a, you know, a CD baby, distro kid, gyro stream, all that sort of stuff. I mean. You yeah, might I as mean, well. I, I think it's the best way because you get bands like Wilco and Radiohead, they jumped off of labels because yeah. they, they want to do it. You know, ever since Wilco did like, you know, their classic album that Warners didn't want to put out, um, yep. you know, Yankee Hotel Fox Tribe because they saw it's too weird. And then yep. what happened is like the music press said it was like the best thing that had ever come out <laughs> yeah. in that period. And it, they, the label looked at it and said, oh, we don't like it. And that kind of tells you what the labels do. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and and you know it's it's not important. Very filtered and directed. Yeah, very yeah. filtered and directed. Like it's it's not important for us to blow up and be the most famous band ever. That's not important to us at all. It's what's important is that we're able to do what we want musically. And then if you, you know if that you know we've had, we've had I won't say the group, but we had a group contact us and they're like you know we want you to do, we want you to pay this amount of money we want you to do this 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 and this and we'll make you famous and I'm like I don't want to be famous man it's not what it's about it's about oh, I want to write the music that I want to write no thank you and we got yeah. well if you say no to us then you're going to get this 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 and this and I'm like I don't give a fuck mate see ya <laughs> and, and 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 it was it was you know it's sad because I know that there are other artists out there that they would kill for that mm. and, and and it's kind of like when we don't they go why like what are you doing and it's kind of like, yeah but it's just not our thing we want to do everything in our own way our own time just want to do everything else you know, I man. think what happens is if you get into the label system, what happens is they get these unrealistic expectations, right? 
So mm. yeah, that becomes like a job, like we were saying before. Yeah, I mean, they they might make you a hit, a hit, but then what happens is you never match that hit, and then nah. you start owing them money, right? So it's like even yeah. a guy like Prince, right? He did Purple Rain, hit like eight million. Then Warner Brothers expected him to make eight million every time. That was never going to happen, right? Yeah, it doesn't usually happen. And so then suddenly, oh, you're not successful when you do three yeah. million. You're not successful when you do too much. You're only successful if you do eight. And so then yeah. you set up for fail. And he's like, you know, eventually even Prince said, fuck that. And, and, yep. and I left this because I'm not running that. I'm doing what I want. did what he wanted. You know, even so. even the, them saying to him, right, you know, this, the old stuff that you've recorded, we're not going to accept that because it's not current. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. I mean, we're talking about fucking Prince. He's a legend, yeah. you know. Like, yeah. like, like, whatever music he makes, people will love because it's Prince. And 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 you got this company going, yeah, but it might not be up to scratch with modern music at that point. So the the album that you made three years ago is invalid now. It's like, no, 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 it's Prince. Yeah, now they release everything that they wouldn't release. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because they can make money off it and they don't owe him anything. Yeah, now they're doing all the projects that he fought that try to put out. Now they suddenly do it. But um, yeah. I, I, I digress. But my whole thing with, with the way the labels are is that they, they just they just don't get it when you're trying to do something, you know, dynamic or, or interesting. They just, you know, they just want you to replicate what's in the top 10. You yeah. know, and they'd want to take a band and run it, car- carving copy to death. Yeah. A, a style, a genre, <clears throat> and it just is not fun. You know, to me, it's not fun if you get on that train, because like the whole thing with the musicians, like you know, I always look at a band like like the Velvet Underground. Lou yeah. Reed did exactly what he wanted. He didn't go anywhere, and then eventually the world said, "Wow, that was fantastic!" Right, and so now then suddenly, like you know, in the seventies, in the eighties, he was like, "Oh, he's an icon." He, you know, yep. but nobody was, you know, only people bought the records are people who were in bands, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but then it became like a, a standard bearer. Like the same thing happened to Alex Chilton and Big Star. You know, if you ever heard of that story, it's the same kind of thing as, as Lou Reed and the Velvets. He created this band called Big Star and he had been in the band like the uh, Box Tops. He was famous for this uh, song called The Letter, but he created this really awesome band that was kind of like a clone to the Beatles. And, and but they sounded like fantastic. And it was like American version of the Beatles. And all these Rolling Stone, all these magazines said these are five star records. They did like three records. Nobody ever heard them except other artists like guys in Smashing Pumpkins, a lot of grunge guys. A lot of people started name checking them. Paul Westerberg name checked them in a bunch of songs um, for. But it's like you know later these people created this work that gets recognized, but it was never popular. You know, but to me, it's like you just do what's in your heart and you you, that is more like what's important because the world will eventually recognize your your nuggets of gold. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So thank you guys for being on the program. (laughs) Well, thank you for being on the program. I know. We loved it. Yeah, we've been on here for like an hour, but um, I wanted to let everybody know, like, like if you guys have a release in the future, we do have bands come back. <clears throat> so we've done like episodes where we do release episodes for EPs or albums. So when you're ready to put out your project, let us know and we can help like hi- hype it for you. Yes, yeah, sounds good. Probably try and get Dylan and um, Dylan and Kyle on next time. You, you talk to us, the two most handsome men in the band. So yeah. it's like let's get the uh, let's get the other fellas on. <laughs> we do have the ability to actually have multiple windows open, so we can have up to eight people on. Oh, yeah. So so yeah. if you guys have, happen to have guys in a different location, they actually can join. And it, you know, it's a little we have to kind of control it, but. Um, yeah, it's possible to have like you know a third window with another two set set of two guys in. So know. I think that'd be right up Dylan's alley yeah, anyway 100%. with his whole studio setup yeah. and everything going. Yeah, yeah, we cool. No, that'd be that'd cool. Be cool. Yeah, well, thank you guys, and again, I'll send you the Spotify link, and uh, I'll be promoting it on my channel as soon as it's out there. And thank everybody for uh, checking us out. Do make sure you do click on the link, and anywhere you see Higgsfield, subscribe, download purchase merch do anything you can to support the bands we always tell you all the time if you support youtubers with tips make sure you support the bands that are i talk to make sure you subscribe download stream favorite playlist 
that's that's how you help a band out. So please do that. That's it, man. I mean, the best thing you can do is listen to us and follow us, and then come see a live show, man. Come say hello too. We're, we're not sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Always can on okay, guys, well, If yeah. I'm ever in your neck of the woods, I will come see you. Yeah, beautiful. No if we uh, get over there with buddy, uh, yeah, <clears throat> hit us up. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool, guys. Definitely. See you, dudes. Cheers, mate. Yep.